My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey, welcome to episode 113 of Legally Clueless. Super excited that you are listening to this podcast, that you're part of the tribe. Remember, audio episodes go out every Monday and video episodes go up on our Legally Clueless video series every Friday on our YouTube channel. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Also remember you can join our online fam on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. And you know what's so hilarious? So Twitter, I tell everybody who wants to, you know, share about the podcast or just have side chats. <laughs> no, sidebars. That's what they're called. <laughs> sidebars about the, the episodes to use the hashtag legally clueless so that I can find you. And I actually found somebody. <laughs> Shout out to Chioma. Oh my goodness. From Nigeria. I found her on Twitter and she was like, hey, are you are serious. <laughs> you actually find us. Oh my goodness, but welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited about this episode because the storyteller is my big sister, Anne-Marie. Ah, it was so magical and so powerful to record the story. But before I get into it, this is what you can expect. My period was late. We just joked about how maybe I might be pregnant. I remember the doctor I was seeing for my clinic. As soon as Uhuru made his announcement that Corona has landed in Kenya, the doctor shut her clinic and just hepped us. She said, I quote, this is very serious. You need to also take it very seriously. See you after the pandemic. <laughs> So now the baby is coming, pandemic or not. Whenever someone is expecting, we never think of the ones who are winging it by themselves without their moms. Like you're groping in the dark. That's really, really hard. So in my head, me, I know labor pains are supposed to be in the front. So <laughs> when I reached eight centimeters i could literally feel ahead i am so excited i'm so excited because my sister and marie when she was sharing the story was so raw and just allowed us into her past year experience so graciously i really cannot wait for you to hear this story but before we get to that, I'm recording this on Mother's Day. Shout out to everybody who sent me. Um, I checked the hotline this morning. I got quite a few messages from people just sending love because Mother's Day are normally here or there <laughs> for me because, you know, my mom passed away nine years ago. But this this Mother's Day is different. I don't know, man. Grief is so weird too. You You can't foretell how you're going to react you never know what emotion is going to come when so past mother's days have been extremely difficult i would have to like devise survival plans weeks before so if i'm subscribed to different shops that send out newsletters and things like that about sales i unsubscribe like three weeks before mother's day i will limit like my online activity as well because everybody's celebrating their very living mothers and it can be i don't know you just feel like it's let me not say you i would feel like life was a bit unfair but i think the past year 
in terms of motherhood has been different from me. And now on Mother's Days when I'm understanding because I've been watching my sister so graciously look after her daughter, my niece, who I talk about all the time. I've never witnessed this mother-child connection so close to me and from the beginning, you know, and it's, it's really magical to watch from the outside in and to just see the bond that Bernadette has with my sister and Marie and from such a young age like she's she can't she's not talking yet you know <laughs> and the bond is quite visible so it's very magical remember I'm a last born so I didn't see any of this <laughs> I've never seen any of this before I do know that on this day I can feel thoughts of my mom almost like at the door of my mind knocking trying to get in <laughs> And there's like a bouncer of happiness who's just like, nope, <laughs> we do not want you in today. We, we want to focus on this new warmth. But what I also can foretell, because I know my emotions so well and I know myself so well, is that because I'm not necessarily feeling sad about my mom today, in a few days or weeks, I will feel guilty for not feeling sad. Anyone who is battling grief will understand exactly what I mean by that. It sounds so irrational, but that's kind of like how it plays out. Ugh. Anyway, when those days come with the guilt, see, I'll just tell you. <laughs> okay, I'm really not, I'm trying not to talk so much because I, I, I'm excited for you to hear my big sister on 100 African Stories. So I will jump straight into the song of the week, which please check it out. And I realize that on some platforms, you may not get a description of the episode. So like platforms like Spotify. So just search the name of the song and the name of the artist maybe on YouTube or just do a Google search, the song will pop up. I will still <laughs> keep promising to set up that Legally Clueless playlist. I have started though. I have started. I think I have arranged maybe like 30 songs so far. I think what I'm trying to do is make sure that the progression, so it's not just a playlist, like the progression of the songs makes emotional sense yeah i'm probably overthinking it but whatever let me do that so this week's song of the week is new work from one of my favorite artists actually her name is laura mvula i've spoken about her here before one of the highlights of my life was watching her live on stage in 2017 at afropunk man ah that was a new year's to remember. So she has an album coming up pretty soon and she's released, I think, two singles from the album, one of which is powerful. So the song of the week is Church Girl and it's by Laura Mbula. I love how unpredictable the arrangement of her songs are, including this one, Church Girl, and I love the lyrics. She strikes me as being a poet because the lyrics are on the face of it looking very or seeming very simple. But I do this thing where I go and actually read lyrics of songs that I love and I read them like poetry. When you read this one, it's a poem. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I've claimed it. I mean, there's a bit which I think, yeah, is the chorus where she, she says, how can you dance with the devil on your back? How can you move caught up in a picture perfect that will never last? I was chamboying this thing like a poem, you guys. I really like it. I've put a link to the song in the description of this episode. If you cannot access that link, just um, search Church Girl by Laura Mvula. And speaking of other links that you probably can't access if you're listening on a platform that's not giving you the description, 
If you are looking for our video series, it's on our new YouTube channel. So you could either click the link in the bio of our Instagram page, which is Legally Clueless Podcast, or you could just search Legally Clueless on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it'll pop up. Okay, let's jump into 100 African stories. Can you tell how goody I am? I'm so excited. As soon as my sister Anne-Marie gave birth, well, not as soon as, like, I don't want it to seem like... <laughs> as soon as she got out of the labor ward, I was there with my microphone. No, 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 no. Like, she was back home and a couple of months had passed and we were talking about labor and all of those things. And I was like, oh my God, it would be so great to have you on the podcast. But, you know, we were like, okay, yeah, we'll d- definitely do it later because at that point, a newborn, not much sleep was happening in that house. It was a bit hectic trying to adjust. And then I reached out again, maybe two weeks ago and I was like are you ready and she's like yes and she she to prepare she wrote I this is how I discovered that my sister is actually a really good writer she wrote down her thoughts and wrote down her story and I read it I was like ah this is so dope this is so dope like you actually write really well and so then we set a date and time to record her story I was scared at first because yes I wanted her to share her journey through motherhood but I I didn't want the recording to take her somewhere that she didn't want to go or somewhere that would make her feel like she's breaking you know what I mean especially in terms of motherhood without mommy I would always over the past year just be like I don't know how to fix this for her I'm very protective over my sisters and so if something is causing them emotional distress I'm thinking okay how do how do we fix this but this is beyond my understanding I've never been a mother sometimes I I don't even know what's the best support you know what I mean yes hanging out with Bernie because right now her attention is like all of 15 seconds so you need to keep her entertained You need to check in with like 40 games ready to roll. You know what I mean? So there's that. You can you can take care of Bernie and just like give my sister a breather. But I'm also like, okay, what else? How do we how do we make this easier? Because I knew I hadn't had that specific conversation, but I knew for sure motherhood without mommy must be very hectic to navigate. But she's she's doing it so graciously. It's so magical to watch. Anyway, it's not my story. <laughs> Look at me going on and on. It's her story. So my sister Anne-Marie is on 100 African Stories. 100 African Stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Anne-Marie and I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. I never saw myself as a mom. It just wasn't. It's not something that I planned for. In fact, I think I planned not to have kids. It just wasn't a priority for me. I would have just been fine going through life (laughs) without that responsibility. Um, Because um, growing up from the way I did, I just thought having kids is a really, really big responsibility that one should not take on if they're not ready for it. Or if you know you can't do it, just don't imagine because <laughs> kids, are, they really deserve the best of you. You can't half-ass it or they don't deserve for you to half-ass it. Funny enough, I don't know. I just was never around that many kids outside of maybe visiting people here and there, seeing a kid 
that was my whole interaction with kids just okay they're cute but i don't get to stay with them so <laughs> it's none of my business <laughs> so on some level i was quite convinced that i wasn't able to conceive and i didn't really have a problem with that because kids just were not in my plan it was just never a factor so i didn't even bother going to a doctor to get it checked even when i hit 30 because i was just ah even if i don't have kids see life is okay <laughs> why would i be changing my fabulous life <laughs> but i remember one time i attended Um someone had invited me for a landmark forum uh, but during the self introduction one of my in-laws at the time happened to be in attendance so during self introduction she announced to the entire room that I am her in-law and I had refused to give them a child so at that time I remember I was really bothered that I w- that she had the audacity to talk about my reproductive situation with strangers but i wasn't even worried with about whether i could have a kid or not it just i was really okay and i was at peace with not having a child and i think i even mentioned to even past partners that that was not something i was looking for but yeah kids I just did not factor them in at all. It was just never a reality for me, you know. <sighs> 18th November 2019. <laughs> so, my period was late. I hadn't thought much about it because I'm just not my period is is very regular and the few times that I've missed my period it's been either diet or anxiety about something so i always know there's something behind it but this one i missed it and in my head i just thought maybe i'm going through something and i don't know yet what i'm going through but it will be back <laughs> we had a conversation with my partner my boyfriend at the time and he was you know we just joked about how maybe i i might be pregnant i laughed ha 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 <laughs> I think that was the day before. So the next day I was at work. I was running errands at Village Market and I see a pharmacy. I said, "Hmm, maybe let me for laughs. Let me just get a pregnancy test." <laughs> so I do. I remember eh, and there are many brands by the way. <laughs> If you did there's like a whole section. <laughs> so I pick a pregnancy test and I get back to the office. And for some reason I couldn't wait. I decided, ah, let me just sit here. Let me take this test. Dum 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 dum. You pee on it. You pee. <laughs> Then you you wait. You put it on a flat surface. It even says on the instructions, flat surface. <laughs> But in my head, I really didn't even think it was going to be positive. Then I looked at the it has a small to window. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that window. <laughs> Yes, a box. <laughs> And if, if it has two lines then you're pregnant. If it has one line then you're not pregnant. In my head I thought I saw two lines first. So I said, "Ah, I must have read those instructions wrong. <laughs> Let me just start reading them from scratch again." <laughs> I went said, "I did I really pee the way I was supposed to pee?" <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, so it was positive and I was filled with absolute terror. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call. I decided, okay, my boyfriend is the one who needs to know. So I took a picture of the test and I sent it to him on WhatsApp. And I'm still sitting on this toilet, by the way, through all of this. <laughs> so he texts me back in a very male way. So what does this mean? <laughs> so I'm like, it means I'm pregnant. <laughs> So he called back immediately and now by this time it's uh, it started sinking in a bit. So now me I'm crying. I am just crying. Ugly, snotty tears. They are just coming out everything. And so he just calmed me down and told me let's talk about it in the evening. So I got myself together. You know, you have to just put your game face on and go back to work. <laughs> My fear was not being able to to be a good mom your whole life you've just winged it you've only had to think about yourself even if you're in a relationship i mean you're adults everyone with their own <laughs> issues you're responsibility for self is such that you're able to, even if you make a mistake, you know that it's just you affected really most of the time. If you have a child, there's nothing, for me at least I think, there's no decision that you make that will not impact that child. The ripple effect is huge and can, can make or break this really innocent being. So it just filled me with such terror. <laughs> That's me. I, hey, can I really do something like this? <laughs> I think the only pet I ever had was a goldfish who jumped out of the aquarium. <laughs> now a whole human being wants, ah, I didn't think I had the capability at all. My conversation with my boyfriend was really reassuring. He handled it like a G-man. <laughs> You know, you hear horror stories about this guy, Sijui, is talking about abortion and giving you, Sijui, 3,000 bob, go take care of this. <laughs> no, that wasn't my experience. And being that, this was, in my entire life, my first pregnancy scare. And not even a pregnancy scare, now it is real. <laughs> he was, like, awesome. He, he really made me feel like this is something I could do. The minute you learn that you're pregnant, it's now like become aware of everything that has changed in your body. Because I remember feeling like the breast tenderness. And then now I'm like, oh my goodness, that is it. And oh, my skin had been glowing for weeks. In fact, people had told me. And I'm like, mm, yeah, must be this hydration thing I'm on. <laughs> Wapi. <laughs> But yeah, when once you learn that you're pregnant is when you're like, everything makes sense. It's like, hey, yeah, I did not even need a test to tell me this thing. <laughs> After I found out, now towards the end of November, beginning of December, we had planned a, a vacation with my boyfriend. We were going, you know, to the beach. It was supposed to be 
and anyone who knows me, you know, when when I take off from work, December is my time to let loose. So we had paid for this vacation and now here I am pregnant. But now we can't cancel. It has to happen. So I was going through a lot of nausea at the time. I remember I could barely eat. So even on vacation, it was a very tough vacation for me. I could eat only breakfast. Breakfast was the highlight of my day. I could stuff my face. <laughs> From there, I was just sick the rest of the day, entire day. All those uh, two cocktails that were in my mind <laughs> that I was going to enjoy. <laughs> I just had to make do with looking at my boyfriend enjoying his drinks. I tried, you know, they do those two, uh, virgin cocktails. Those things are a scam, <laughs> a very big scam. <laughs> and they have no place at a beach. <laughs> but yeah, it was a different kind of vacation that just brought home that life was about to tr- drastically change. We really needed that break really to just I think internalize what was happening it really helped us with that I learned I was pregnant in November so of course January 2020 we've had we've had something about corona but you know it's over there it's not really near us (laughs) really January I was just going to work as usual Nothing much had changed on that front. We had decided to move in together with my boyfriend. So that was the only big change. I remember the doctor I was seeing for my clinic. As soon as Uhuru made his announcement that Corona has landed in Kenya, the doctor shut her clinic and just hepped us. She said, I quote, this is very serious. You need to also take it very seriously. See you after the pandemic. So basically, I was there pregnant without a doctor. (laughs) I was also panicking because, you know, you're pregnant and they tell you there's this thing that could wipe out the whole of the population and you don't know, are you going to make it through? I remember running out of the house while Uhuru was still talking going to the supermarket and it was full and I'm this pregnant woman with a trolley. Yes, I'm those people who took like five bales of toilet paper. I am not ashamed. (laughs) I thought the world was ending. (laughs) And toilet paper would save us. (laughs) But yeah, it it was so much stress because I had nightmares that I wouldn't be able to breathe during labor and I wouldn't be able to have this baby. Back then, no one knew what this corona thing was. It's just if you leave your house, you're dead. So it was a bit of an extra strain. Although the first, you know, we also enjoyed a bit. I can't say it was all bad because everyone was home. So I think my boyfriend and I really bonded. He was my my isolation partner and we learned even more about each other and we connected in so many ways. As far as work, my employer was so awesome. We were sent home on full salary, so that wasn't something we had to I had to worry about. I appreciate a lot of people were affected worse than we were, but for me being pregnant, it was just a load of my mind. So now the baby is coming, pandemic or not. Of course we did the nursery. 
my my boyfriend was so awesome. He did a lot of the artwork. He got the furniture. Me, I was just, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. So that was all him. And he did a fantastic job. We did the whole Biashara Street trip. So Biashara Street is basically direct translation. Biashara is business. <laughs> business street. A lot of business happens there. <laughs> But um, there's this one section that has everything you'd need for a baby. My sister had actually given me a list in Excel format. <laughs> Amanda, shout out to you. <laughs> of the things I needed. So I reached there and I'm pulling out all these papers out of my bag. I have this whole list and I have to check it off. But I found a really nice lady she you know she'd help me and tell me okay this is what you need this is what you don't need you need this much quantity of this she was really awesome so i found myself just opening up to her and talking to her about what to expect because being the firstborn there was really my sisters and i none of us had really experienced this and being that my mom had passed away there was really within my immediate circle there was really no one to kind of guide me on this we were just all, including my sisters, just going through this for the first time. So I felt an opportunity to ask the sales lady things about delivery, what should I expect? And she really helped and indulged me, um, answering all my questions. But I think at some point, even my questions just became too much. <laughs> and she told me, don't worry about it so much. Your mother will tell you and she'll help you. And my heart just dropped. Because, of course, there was no way for her to know that my mom had passed away. But it took all, everything within me at that point in time just to hold it together. Because it was something that I had thought about, but I hadn't verbalized it. And it... So I hadn't really verbalized it to anyone. How much I was already missing my mom. What void I was feeling so when she said it it just it was like a paper crumpling inside me <laughs> whenever someone's expecting everyone just we never think of the ones who are winging it on by themselves without their moms without without a guiding light actually that's what it feels like like you're groping in the dark it's really really hard and if I thought I missed her before, it's just so much harder. So all we can do is just just try to remember the mother she was and try to take her example. Although sometimes I, I really give her grace. I, I try to imagine she had these three kids <laughs> in her 20s. If I think back to my 20s, and whether I'd be able to handle even one kid, leave alone three. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see it as a possibility. So it's taught me to just give her so much grace and understanding for the things, the decisions she made, whether I agreed with them or not. It's just taught me to give her so much grace. I'm so proud of the mother she was to us. If I could be even a quarter of the mother she was to us, to my daughter, I would, I'd, I'd be very happy. I'd say I'm successful. From my youth, I really didn't see myself as a mom, really. But when I lost my mom, I think I was doubly 
determined that I wouldn't have a kid because I just didn't feel like I had the strength to do it without my mom. I mean, she had been with me my entire life. So am I crazy? What? Why would I take on such a responsibility when she's not there? How... <laughs> How in the world was that supposed to work? Definitely my mom not being there made me feel like I shouldn't have a child. Plus, who wants to do it without their mom anyway? It's not something that you think... I mean, there's always supposed to be space for a grandma. If she's not there, then what are you doing? Once you've suffered such a loss, you really question your capability to move on. And you even question whether you want to move on. So, and do you really ever move on? I don't know. I don't know if I've moved on. I don't think so. <laughs> because I still can't imagine tomorrow, waking up tomorrow without her. It's scary. It's scary. There are a lot of decisions I make that I would feel much better if I had her with me to maybe hold me when I fall. I think that's it. In case it doesn't work out like you're so scared there's no net to catch you at the bottom so it's scary it's really scary to do something this huge without your your rock my labor how did that go so being the i'm a first time mom i had no idea what labor is supposed to look like i had read books i had <laughs> i downloaded an app so you know you read things here and there but kwa grao vitu ni different things are very different i remember it was a saturday night and i couldn't sleep all the way till sunday morning i i couldn't sleep in bed so i ended up spending the night um on an armchair in my room which is where my partner found me in the morning and he was like hey is this how you slept i'm like yeah you know my back is just killing me i don't know what's happening back then you know pandemic time life was just between bedroom and couch bedroom and couch so after a shower you know i just went back down downstairs to the couch um that day my sister adele and her husband falgun were coming for dinner so the whole day i had spent on the couch with a water bottle a hot water bottle on my back so in my head me i know labor pains are supposed to be in the front so <laughs> this cannot it really cannot be labor pains <laughs> it's uncomfortable but I'm just powering through. I'm like, "Ay, this baby, maybe today she didn't wake up on the right side. I don't know." <laughs> but she's been on the wrong side for a while. <laughs> so my sister and her husband came for dinner. They had dinner and left. That's when I noticed the pains were at very they were coming after. It seemed to be after every 10 minutes. And you know they tell you in the app at least you're supposed to watch out for pain after very consistent intervals or oh, before that before that sometime in the afternoon that sunday afternoon my i had gone upstairs and my mucus plug came out i'd gone to the bathroom and my mucus plug came out if you've never been pregnant i don't think you know what a mucus plug is <laughs> because even me i didn't know <laughs> I just thought people were going to labor and they just go. So this mucus plug, please do not google. If you google, I don't know. You will just not eat today. <laughs> so it came out and I remember in the bathroom even taking a picture of it. Like yes, I took a picture because I was like, "Eh, this is strange, but hmm, 
let's see. But and then the app says once it comes out, it can even be days um, before you deliver. So I was like, hmm, okay, that looks like a mucus plug, but it's okay. <sighs> Let me just wing it, see how this goes. So I went back downstairs, had dinner with my sister and her husband. Now, after they left, I realized the pain was coming at very definite intervals. I even timed them. It was 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes, I had like a serious pain. So I called an aunt and she's like, you know, just go to the hospital and get it checked. It's probably nothing, but it's good to just get it checked. They'll send you back home. Don't worry about it. It's not even your due date yet. We decided this is after curfew because the curfew due to the pandemic was at nine o'clock. 9 p.m. You were not supposed to be outside. So I talked to my partner. He's just like, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. He was so him, he was just like, let's just sleep. We see how it goes. I'm like, no, the way I'm feeling. Let's just go check. I'm sure they'll send us back. Now, I hadn't even packed my hospital bag. Something my sister Amanda, I think, should have slapped me if, I was, if she had been there. Because <laughs> she had been telling me for weeks, have you packed your hospital bag? Have you, <laughs> have you packed? <laughs> we got into the car. Um, I remember we, we were in such a rush that we had even left my the check you know you know for a hospital you pay every, for your maternity package um, ahead of time so you have to carry all those documents with you to the hospital we had to even come back get those documents and then we went so now Nairobi hospital at that time had the screening outside intense you couldn't just walk into the hospital first they screen you for corona then you can walk into hospital so we get done with all that temperature check i don't even know what other questions they were asking have you traveled or anything like that by the time i'm standing up to walk into hospital i can barely move <laughs> because now the pain is coming like every three minutes <laughs> They literally had to hold me, one on each side, the nurse and my partner. So we get into the hospital and the nurses check me out. And surprise, surprise, you're two centimeters dilated. Me, I'm just in shock. My partner, I think he was even in more shock. He's like, no, no, no. Is this really happening? Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> we are not in here for fun times. <laughs> two centimeters dilated i wasn't going home they you know checked me in i got into bed that was the longest longest night of my life the <laughs> i don't think you guys understand labor so the whole night we didn't sleep the whole night in fact i remember we i had a birth plan so because of corona unfortunately they were only allowing one person to stay with you. My plan had been for my sister Amanda, you know, to be there. She had a playlist. She'd carried the Bluetooth speakers. She had every dextrosol. We were fully loaded. <laughs> we knew how this was going to go. <laughs> but now at this time, I'm also thinking, okay, so what we can do is my partner can stay through the night because I'm sure this baby is all coming right now. Still, even with all this pain, I'm, in my head, I think I'm still in denial. It's not, the baby is not coming right now. So what you do, Amanda, you come in there, come in the morning. I think now we'll be ready. So my sister just went back home with Bluetooth speaker, playlist. <laughs> so the whole night, I am in pain. I am in pain. Sophia, pain. 
but it was seriously severe pain. <laughs> my partner was, you know, now he he couldn't sleep, so he's sitting by my bedside, and I'm, you know, every time the pain rocks me, I'm just squeezing him. It was intense. At some point, I even told him, I need drugs. I need something to knock me out so that if you have a Flintstones club, all the better. But just go outside there, talk to those nurses. They must give me something. So it wasn't until that point where they gave me some drugs that at least helped me sleep. Because that pain was really intense. Then the doctor comes around, keeps coming around to check how dilated you are. And this every few hours she comes, it's only changed by maybe two centimeters every few hours so we are supposed to be aiming for 10 centimeters here but i'm not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel it was just <laughs> darkness <laughs> so when i reached eight centimeters now by this time it's morning i'm at eight centimeters i could literally feel ahead i don't know how to explain that for people to understand but i could literally feel ahead and this nurse i'm telling the nurse this baby is coming and she's like no 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 hold until you reach 10 centimeters i'm like how do you hold (laughs) how how please show me i would love to be able to hold but how Then I think one nurse saw that I was serious. That's another thing. Please, medical medical personnel, professionals, please, when someone is telling you something about their body, please believe them because it was so hard getting them to understand that I am past where they think I am. <laughs> it was very hard. So imagine now I'm feeling ahead and I'm not yet in the delivery room. I'm still in the labor ward. Now I have to get off this bed while I'm feeling ahead (laughs) to go to another room. (laughs) They should have just been able to take me there earlier. So anyway, we go to this delivery room and now I am... The pain was so intense. I don't even know. It was like, I, you want to give up, but your body is not letting you give up. Because if it was up to my own will, I think I would have given up. But your body is not letting you. (laughs) It's making you fully aware of everything that is going on. (laughs) So I sit there and I can hear the doctor is being called and he's busy asking for his N95 mask. So unfortunately, by the time he even found this mask, the nurse already delivered my baby it was just that fast and it just happens that push push thing in the movies is real by the way they do tell you to push 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 (laughs) and you will push (laughs) and i remember my partner kept on telling me just breathe anna just breathe and i just wanted him not to breathe next to me But yeah, you push, 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 and this baby comes out. And it was just, I can't say it was like music, like in the movies, no. I was just so happy that I, that baby has come out. (laughs) Because I'd been ready for her to come out for like four months. (laughs) So yeah, she was born on 13th July at 7.23 a.m. It was surreal. I remember just looking at the doctor you know they just take her from you first and i think i heard her crying but then now my partner was with her and was taking pictures (laughs) with the doctor (laughs) 
me i'm here by the way they don't tell you that the labor you're supposed to push once the baby comes out then you push again there's something called placenta me i didn't know <laughs> so you push again for the placenta to come out and then you're done the nurse who cut the umbilical cord i think she was new at it and she did it wrong so when she did a lot of blood ended up spraying all over the walls and i remember when i was done i got off the bed and i looked around that's the first time i noticed i looked around and there was blood everywhere and i just asked her is that my blood <laughs> because it just looked like a horror movie <laughs> I was taken back to my room. They have to take you to the maternity ward after that. Then they brought me the they brought me Bernie. She was so tiny. She was so so tiny. I just held her. But then there's something else they don't tell you. <laughs> Sometimes the drugs they give you have a side effect and they don't tell you this. So I started shivering uncontrollably. I had to tell my partner to take the baby because I wasn't able even to hold her. So he takes the baby, but he's also scared. He's wondering what happened. Even me, I'm thinking I'm dying because why am I just, because my teeth were chattering. I'm freezing cold. It was just something I'd never felt in my whole entire life. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, I must have lost all the blood in my body. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Kumbe was just, you know, it was just a side effect of the drugs. So I was taken to the maternity ward the first night. Hey, again, medical professionals, if you, if you, it's not a calling, by the way, just don't, just leave it alone. It's not a must because you don't understand the struggles. Some people, you think everyone knows how to take care of a baby or everyone knows is prepared for it. It's not the case. Some of us are just experiencing it for the first time. So just please be gentle. Have some empathy. There's a nurse I remember who told me, because Bernie was crying. She was crying like, through the night that first night and i was like I, what am i doing wrong so then she comes to change the baby and instead of just telling me okay maybe check the baby or maybe feed her or try this and this giving me solutions she just starts changing the baby and tells me please watch because i'm only going to do this one time after that it's up to you. I was shocked, but I'm also, but keep in mind that I'm also drugged up because I'm on pain meds. I, I really, I was quite shocked by that nurse. I was really, really shocked. So anyway, I made it through. So I delivered Monday morning, Tuesday. I was ready to go home. Let me not say I was ready. I was not ready to go home, <laughs> but they wanted me out. <laughs> I was really terrified because she was so tiny so beautiful but so tiny the clothes i did i think i'd forgotten to pack her clothes in the hospital bag <laughs> so melvin my partner had carried stuff for her but it wasn't what i envisioned nothing ever goes according to plan the clothes i thought i was going to wear coming out of hospital i could not because i wasn't feeling cute <laughs> Trust me, there's nothing cute about that feeling at that point. <laughs> but I went home with my baby Bernie and she was just absolutely beautiful. Apart from the lungs, she was <laughs> very, very beautiful. <laughs> my journey from there was eh, 
being a pandemic, you know, people cannot just come. So on the most part, I was with my domestic help, Chalo, and my partner. So now I'm with two men. It's just me and two men and these this baby. And, you know, people tell me stories how they were with, you know, with their mothers or their mothers-in-law. Me, mine was very different. <laughs> All of us are just learning as we go. <laughs> We are all the same. There's no teacher-student here. <laughs> In a way, it was beautiful because I think Melvin and I were able to be really, really involved and form a team. We relied on each other and it was just beautiful. He he really came through in terms of feeding me. He would make me leek soup, but he would just really take care of me. I can't say that I wasn't taken care of. He did. He went above and beyond than I think most men. He has never failed to step up. He has from the first from when I told him about the pregnancy. He just stepped up in a way that I don't know many men do. Because I remember even going for clinics, we would always see women alone. And I used to wonder how, how do they, how do they manage? And I think it's very unfair, men, if you're listening, it's very unfair for, to let someone go through such a life-changing process on their own. How, just, even just the emotional support i think is very important it it gave me a kind of strength and just a peace of mind even you know even through the pandemic worry or anxiety it just gave me peace of mind that i'm not doing this alone and i think also it's important to keep it up because even after bernie was born both of us have always showed up to any of her clinics just don't let someone go through it alone because it's not fair. It's really not fair. And I think it doesn't even matter if you're not in a relationship anymore. But just as a human being, it's important for you to be there for that person. So Bernie will be one year in July. She's turned the house upside down. <laughs> if you come to visit my house, it's like one big nursery. <laughs> There's like signs of Bernie everywhere, literally everywhere from the door <laughs> to the back. You can tell that Bernie has arrived. <laughs> I can say for me, I was very lucky that, um, first of all, I was lucky there was a pandemic. I know that's weird, but I was lucky in that I was able to be home that whole time while I was pregnant. Then of course, my employer gave me maternity leave um, of four months from the date of delivery. And after that four months, I got six months of working half day. So I've really had a lot of time with Bernie to just see, just to watch her has been a blessing. And she grows so fast. She has made, eh, she's given me anxiety. <laughs> I get, I have a lot of anxiety. Every day I think, in different situations, I always think the worst can happen. Even just stepping out of my house, um, it's like I'm at war with the world. Like, I have to make it back home to my Bernie. So y'all don't mess with me. <laughs> There's someone waiting for me at home. So she's, you know, I worry a lot, but I can't change that. 
I think she's made me more intentional with my decisions. I really think through th- through things a lot more. I'm a bit more serious with <laughs> with life. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I take things very seriously now. Of course there's the, the there's the you know, you can't party like you want, but I don't even think I want to because first I would be so worried that she's something is not going right with her it's like i don't trust anyone else but myself but also you don't want to be hungover and deal with her hey that's when you're just setting yourself up for magnificent failure <laughs> being a mother is very challenging but also very rewarding once you've gotten into the rhythm of things there's no rule book there's no right or wrong basically it's what is right for you and what is right for your baby because a happy mother makes a happy baby one thing a doctor told me during one of our clinic visits is the optimum situation is where parents or a mother is so well in tune with their baby that they are able to tell the doctor what is wrong or what the issue is basically you are the doctor's greatest resource when it comes to your baby you're the one who knows what the baby is feeling and it's like kind of a silent language the baby can express themselves but you're the one who is learning you're with the baby every day you're the one who is learning how to understand them and really articulate for them you are your baby's voice really so don't don't let people tell you oh this is what you should do for your baby you know the answer is there you just know so you should be able to trust yourself it's hard in the beginning but just try and trust yourself even with breastfeeding i remember she had latched on properly in hospital um but when i got home you know the way you go back to your routine so i would shower and then oil myself and somehow the scent on the nipples like really threw her off and she just stopped breastfeeding i was it really you know depressed me for a while <laughs> because by the time i figured out you know this was the issue she had you know stopped breastfeeding and now i had put her onto formula then she didn't want to go back to breastfeeding so it really bothered me for a while until i realized ah surely anna there are babies who survive every day without breast milk you know i just kept with the breast milk with the formula rather and we've never had an issue she's growing at what i think is a normal rate whatever normal is she has had no issues she's a happy healthy baby so don't put so much stress on yourself because maybe you're not producing enough milk people have survived without it people will continue to survive without it and it doesn't make you any less of a mom as as far as weaning is concerned i remember for us our issue is was that bernie was not getting full even you as a whole adult if you keep if i just kept you on a diet of milk surely it will at some point even you you'll throw your hands up and say hey <laughs> i can't live like this <laughs> so she you know she wasn't sleeping so by instinct i just we decided to wean her at four months you know we just started with veggie purees and now at nine months bunny is having breakfast she's having lunch she's having dinner of course you still have to keep up with the milk but just go by instinct at some point you'll know when enough is enough for your baby just know your baby don't do 
what the book is telling you because if they were to write a book it would have to be a book for each and every child in the world each and every baby in the world because babies are different you will not find two babies who are the same after all we're all individuals so why do you want them all to be the same yet when we are adults we are saying we are all different people just you know do what you think is right for your baby another thing that's changed is friendships I've lost quite a number of friends. Well, I don't know whether to say lost. Maybe I should say they've fallen away. <laughs> But you know, as as with any relationships, we we don't own any person. So some people are there in your life for a reason, some for a season, and it's okay. Don't force friendships like everything it's organic everything in this world is quite organic so if it's not there don't force in fact forcing i think you'll just stress yourself even more as it is <laughs> will i think about bunny's food or will i think about <laughs> a friendship that is not working ah choose your battles <laughs> but even with the ones that remain i find they become more fulfilling more rewarding friendships so it's just like separating the wheat from the chaff and it's life that is doing it for you yes you can mourn a friendship or grieve a friendship but i think if it was really worth it then it would survive it would it would really survive a baby so if it hasn't then maybe it was time was just up for it um the relationship with your partner will change things will really get tough in fact sometimes you know when we used to hear people actually saying they are having a baby to fix a relationship that was already struggling okay right now i feel like i can almost cry for them because <laughs> having a baby will challenge that relationship in ways that you could never imagine and please remember you're both evolving you're both changing at the same time you're both discover- discovering new facets to your partner some you will like some you may not like it is difficult it is so so difficult don't imagine that having a baby will help you because you're in for such a rude shock <laughs> and and also there's also that clash in parenting styles you know there's some people want have an idea of how they want this child raised the other one will have different ideas i remember one time <laughs> i had insisted that i did not want bunny's hair to be shaved imagine my shock when i get home and bunny is bald safi kama balloon it was almost world war 3 in the house <laughs> By the way it it may seem like such a small issue but for me it was it was almost like I did not feel hard I took it so personally by the way at some point I even remember thinking I am I sure that this is about Bunny's hair really <laughs> but you will have you will have those runnings you will head but you will snap at each other So if your relationship is already on slippery ground then I hate to break it to you you will not make it you really will not make it in terms of plans for the first time in my adult life 
Asijui, it's called adulting. She's really made me adult. But I remember beginning of this year, my my partner and I had a conversation about the our goals for life. That's something I'd never ever done with anyone. It was such a beautiful experience just to be able to discuss the future in a way to build us both up plus Bernie. So it it was just a different experience for me which I don't even think we would have done without Bernie. And after that conversation, we actually actioned everything that we talked about in in less than 6 months. So I think it does make you take life a bit more seriously, make intentional decisions um that you may not have if you didn't have children are like a like they really push you to be your absolute best and it may have been there all along it may not even be children that makes you it may be something else but for me it's bernie that has really pushed me to be the best i can be and to make all those decisions that i was scared of or putting off she has really been that for me so um, i think for her first birthday i will just be celebrating her for making such positive changes in my life catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless oh my word ah i really enjoyed recording that story i connected with my sister on well not on having a child <laughs> country late but on how losing your mom can make you step back from motherhood it was interesting so for her it was more along the lines i mean as she said of not wanting to do this huge thing without mommy for me i guess there's a bit of that but like 90% is i don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have more and this is very irrational but I don't want to have more loved ones have to go through grief when I die. <laughs> it is so irrational but I have rationalized it in my head. I mean that's not the only reason that I don't want kids but like when it comes to motherhood and losing a mom that's really the bulk of my feelings towards it what was also so or what is also so interesting is my sister and marie reminds me so much of my mom now when my mom would get home from work you know when other people say that they fear when their parents come back and stuff like that no they were still happiness that oh mommy's back like you feel a sense of warmth and comfort and this of course you've broken something <laughs> which in my case happened quite a few times because <laughs> then it's just like oh shit <laughs> oh we have to explain this mess but i see the same thing with my niece when my sister comes back home from work like bernie loses it <laughs> the excitement in her heart is from her toes and she's just so excited and like putting her hands out to her mom like her mom can't even put down her bags and stuff like she has to Carry Benedict plus all of those things, and it's just so cute to watch. There also is, weirdly enough, as much as Bernie is not yet even one, you can see there's a friendship between the two of them, which I think is a very integral part of parenting. I know many people are like, "No, oh, you can't be friends with your kids." I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I think you can. 
And I think you should. I mean, you're the first, you're their first gateway into understanding this world, right? So yes, you're teaching them a lot and all of that, but there must be some form of friendship. And it's so wild to see that exist for my sister and her daughter from such a young age. They have just so much love, so much love between them. And sometimes I'm like, wow, Anna, how, how are you doing it so gracefully? Kind of like how mommy was. So I think that's why it's, it means so much to me to have her on the podcast. I'm so happy I left radio. I would never be able to do this on a radio show. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoyed the story. Remember, you two can be on this podcast. All you have to do is either send a one minute story demo to the hotline number, just basically telling me a bit about the story that you want to share. And the hotline number is plus 254-768-628-790. So you can just record it using your WhatsApp audio note feature and then send the demo via WhatsApp. You can also, in the link of this description and the link in the bio of our Instagram page, is a Google form. You can fill it out and that's how you can kind of let me know a bit more about the story you want to share plus other details and I will get back to you. Also on the hotline, if you hear something on this podcast that you identify with, hey, record an audio note. Send it to me. Hey Adele, I'm Bravon from Mombasa. I'm actually a new fan. Uh, I've so far listened to two of your podcasts, episode 94 and episode 112. So far, they're really awesome. Somehow they're keeping me into my own zone and realizing that my own happiness matters. And I'm really thankful for what you're providing us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bravin, for that audio note. I'm so glad that even in Mombasa, you're listening to Legally Clueless and you're identifying with some of the stories that you've heard. I'm very thankful that you listened to this podcast. Do remember that the podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. and on Fridays at 12 noon. So if you head over to traceradio.co.ke, you can find a list of the various frequencies so that wherever you are in Kenya, you can tune in and listen to the podcast there. We also have the video series, in case you do not know, we launched that a couple of weeks ago, well, over a month ago. Actually, it is five weeks ago. So excited. So we have different storytellers who come onto our bright, beautiful, yellow, legally clueless set and share a story. The video series is on our Legally Clueless YouTube channel. Again, link to that is in the description of this episode. If you're listening on a platform that does not have a description, I'm side-eyeing that platform. It's so strange. Like, why would they do that? Anyway. <laughs> You can head over to our Instagram page at Legally Clueless Podcast and just hit the link in bio and you'll be directed to the video series. Trust me, it is super awesome. I'm proud of the work we're doing and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember, new audio episodes out every Monday and video episodes on the video series are out every Friday. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.